Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thanks for worshiping the Lord with us. It's amazing. To be able to worship God together as a family is an incredible gift that God has given to us, and we're so glad to be a part of what he's doing. So I asked my wife to come up here, but I didn't even say anything. I just grabbed her hand and drug her with me, so I didn't <laughs> ask. But this is my wife, if you haven't met her. This is Kim. Yeah. There's a couple of things I got to do here that I failed to do in the last service, and I want to apologize to those that were in the second service today. Uh, I didn't recognize our veterans in that service. We gave a little video, and we are so appreciative of you. But if you've served in our armed forces for this amazing country that God has blessed us with, we want you to stand up and recognize you for your service. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, you may be seated. Thank you so much. I mean, we're here in church today, and we're free to serve and worship God, and it's a gift that God has given to us, but it's not one that was just given. It was purchased for us, and we're so grateful for the people that serve, and not only those that are represented here, but for those that are serving right now overseas in different places and away from their family. We're very grateful, and so thank you very much. We're so blessed to be in this land. I know it's not perfect. We're messed up here in the United States, but you know, we're the, still the, the free land. We're able to preach Jesus. We have an incredible gift given to us, and we got to take advantage of it while we can. God has blessed us, and it's because we lifted him up, and so we want to continue to do that. So thanks again for your service. I also have a couple other things to recognize today. One of them is we're doing a, a Nomads fundraiser for Christmas uh, um, stuff to give to them for the people that they are serving. And so if you'd like to know a little bit more about that, you can check it out on their website and app. But it is, there's flyers out here. It's just taking some Christmas pictures for you. It's $25, and the reason is that it's all going 100% to help support buying gifts uh, for those that are working in the work camps in the Middle East. And so that's what that's all about. On the 24th, which is two weeks from today, we will have a baptism service in the morning. And then we're going to have one uh, church worship again in the evening. It'll be our second time of doing that. And so we're grateful for uh, that opportunity. And we invite you to invite your friends, you. We want all of us to come together. That's why we call it One Church Worship. Because we have three services. We want to come together as one family and worship the Lord together. And so please mark that in your calendar and be with us. I want to say thank you to all of you who served at Gospel Rescue Mission last Sunday. Last Sunday was the second time we live-streamed our service to the campus down there. For the first 30 days, anyone's in the program, and for people that are just there for short-term help, they're not allowed to leave the campus, and so we have been blessed to be able to project our service into them on the first Sunday of the month. And so we have a team of people that go down there to serve there as our hands and feet, tangibly present with the people. And so if you were there last Sunday, we want you to stand up, and we want to say thank you to you. So all of you that were part of that last week, we had some in the last service too, but if you were part of that, we want you to stand up, and we want to say thank you. Thank you for representing us down there. That's amazing. We also did a full throttle yesterday, went down, and we had a fall festival at the campus. We had a great time with the residents there, and thank you for your gifts there and for all the full throttle people that gave of your day. It was a long day, uh, a lot of time in the sun and all that, but uh, I was able to be baptized about 10 times in the dunk tank, <laughs> and I uh, appreciated all that love that I felt from all you all, and uh, love you back. So thank you for all your service there. So uh, why we're on the gospel rescue mission, don't let me, I brought my wife up here, she's my reminder right here, so I do the right things before I preach God's word, so um, I want to recognize our, uh, some of our brothers, our faithful men of God from the gospel yes. rescue mission. 
so cool that these guys uh, have graduated uh, from the, the uh, Gospel Rescue Mission. They've completed uh, the course. They are getting ready to launch themselves back into the world of being the light of Jesus Christ, and we want to recognize them and say thank you. So I'm going to ask Lester if you'd stand up, brother. Uh, Lester Phillips. Yeah. Yes. Still stay standing there, brother. And we have David... Uh, Jenny, is David here? There you go, brother, right there. Yes. You got Eric right here in the front row. Stand up, brother. Uh, I believe Eddie Grijalva had to leave town right away, right? He went, or is he here? Is, he went to Oregon. That's what I heard. Good. He's, uh, he's doing great, but Eddie is another one that graduated. James Elston, are you in here somewhere? There you go, brother. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, how about Jason Moore? Are you in here? Is he here? There he is, back there in the back. All right, Jason. And uh, I don't know if Carlos made it. Is he here? All right. Hey, way to go, brother. Yeah. yeah. Sorry about that. Uh wearing a Cowboys jersey. He needs help. Hey, we, we are so proud of you guys, and we're blessed to have you in our family here. I want you to know that, guys. I, I want you to know each one of you guys, as I've watched you be part of this church, as well as what God's doing at the mission, see a change in your countenance of who you are. It's been amazing, and God's doing that. And we recognize that in you. Super proud of you. And we, as your church family, want to pray for you right now and bless you. So church, would you extend your hands towards our brothers right here? Father, in the name of Jesus, we lift up our brothers that are right here standing before you, God, for the transformation that you have started in their lives and the good work that you're going to complete in and through their lives. May they be the men of God that you died to make them. Let them be an ambassador for Jesus Christ. We speak against the lies of the enemy, the deceiver, the one that would try and trip them up in these days ahead of them. Lord, we ask for peace, grace, and strength, and discernment, and power to be unleashed through them as they go forward as light and salt in the earth. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, God bless you guys. So proud of you. That's awesome. Super proud of you. Seriously, you guys are a blessing, man. It's amazing. So we have another recognition. So this isn't just recognition Sunday or anything. It's just things are happening. There's so much going on in our church life and family. And so I'm going to ask Ross and Jesse Marine if they would come up here with Kim and I on the platform. Um, <clears throat> most of you know that Full Throttle is a ministry of our church. It's a Christian Faith Fellowship. But it's a ministry of, and the Lord uh, led Kim and I back in 2006 to talk to the board and the church about starting a motorcycle ministry here as part of the family and what God was doing to reach a community of people that is usually an outcast and not viewed on by the church as a positive influence or someone that we can reach. And so God birthed this amazing thing that he's been doing and continues to do called Full Throttle Ministries here. And uh, as we traveled and the church grew and my wife and I, the things that were happening and all that was going on and continuing my education as well in um, graduate school that um, there was, Full Throttle was 
like more than I could handle with everything that was going on with my wife. And as we were praying and God absolutely anointed and selected uh, Ross and Jesse to be leaders that would take this ministry and go forth and be the leaders of this ministry. And they've done just a phenomenal job. And we're so blessed to have them in our church family, but their leadership and uh, their generosity I said in the last service, um, they're some of the most generous people I've ever met in my life, and I'm not just saying that. They are. They've been instruments in God's hands in many of your lives, and you know that, people inside and outside of the church. And so God has called them to go to Albuquerque, New Mexico, of all places. I mean, you know you know it's God if someone's moving to Albuquerque. No, just, yeah, that was a joke, all right? It's just, I'm sorry if you're from Albuquerque. I didn't mean that. Um, and, and so they're being called by God to go there. Uh, they will have a church family that they will be a part of that will be very blessed to have them. But this Sunday will be their last official Sunday here. And so what we want to do is pray over them and ask God's blessing on what he's doing in their life. It's uh, an extension of what he's doing as part of our family. It's like when you say for your kids to find their own home and move out in a good way, you know, like it's time for you. <laughs> And so we're not kicking you out. We are saying, God, we're sending you out with God's blessing and God's hand on you and asking him to open the doors he has for you in front of you, okay? So would you guys step right in front of us, if you would? That'd be awesome. You can face them. We'll uh, just lay our hands on you. And, uh, and again, in church, we're just going to ask you to extend your hands over them. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you. And Lord, we just lift up Ross and Jesse before you right now. Lord, uh, we understand that they are a couple that need you. We all do. And so right now, as there's so many different things happening in their life with changes, they need wisdom and discernment above all things to know your will, your direction, your plan, and what you're doing. Lord, they need a, a church family to be, to be a part of, and so we ask you to make that known to them where it is that you want them to serve you and to be part of that. And Lord, as they go forth, we want them to be extension of your ministry that you have birthed here in Christian Faith Fellowship, in Full Throttle, and that they would be a, an ambassador for the kingdom. Lord, we just ask a blessing over them. Would you give them wisdom, discernment, guidance, and direction, power, and anointing, and continue to bless them with their generosity that you have blessed them with. A hedge of protection around them, God. Their marriage, their integrity, and all that they are. Let it be for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you. I love you. Yeah. Thanks. Good. Yeah. Thanks, brother. Yeah, I love you guys. Thank you. Thank you. You can go. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so, a lot happening. We have plenty of time as we get ready for what God has for us. Um, there's been <clears throat> some uh, challenges for our family here, you know. We've uh, lost a few members, uh, graduated um, into the kingdom of heaven. And uh, as that happens, you know, our heart hurts. We're human. We love Jesus. We love our, our family. And, and when we lose them, just like you, as you lose your family members, it hurts, you know. And so as we said goodbye to Olga in the first service and had her service last week, said goodbye to Chris, we had a memorial service for him. You did not meet Chris, but you will in heaven if you're a follower of Christ. Uh, an amazing testimony of what God did for a man in his dying days of him giving his life to Christ. And we were able to go with his family, celebrate his life on Friday. 
And then next Sunday, uh, we will have in the afternoon at 2.30 a, a memorial service, a celebration of life for Sandy Novit. Um, as we join with her family and this family, I want you to know next Sunday at 2.30 we'll have that service. And then uh, two weeks from today, the day we do the baptism in the morning, and we'll have one worship in the evening, and we're going to do a memorial service for Michelle Meyer as she... Uh, um, way too early was taken yesterday uh, out of this world and so we're praying and asking God to help us as we navigate through this and for her family uh, we'll do a celebration of life service for her in uh, two weeks so a lot happening we need Jesus always church um, when we come into these moments as a pastor I've I've had like I've done a lot of memorial celebration of life services I've um, been with families i I've been there when people leave this world, and uh, I am, I'm very grateful to God for what he's asked me to do with my life for him. It's not always easy, but I want you to know that it's, I have been extremely blessed and challenged by him because I'm regularly reminded of this amazing gift called life, the frailty of it, and the fact that it's over before we know it. I mean, I have done funeral services for little babies, and every age all the way up to people in their 90s. And as I've done those, and I stand back and I watch, and I, I, it's like, man, life is a gift. And every single one of us just, I mean, I don't, I'm not, I'm not saying this condemning to you or to me or anything. It's just we were made eternal by God. He never meant for us to die. Sin brought death um, into this world. And so because we have eternal life given to us by God, death is like some foreign thing to us, and it's like it's not real. And yet it is. It's so real. And it's going to happen to everybody in this room. And we don't like think about it. Not that I want you to get all depressed and think you're dying today. But the reality is, is that today's been a gift for you and for me that God has given us. And we need to take advantage of the gift that he's given and understand that it's not always going to be here. But while we have breath, we need to raise a hallelujah with our life, not just with words. And we need to express our gratitude to God for the days that he's given to us and use it for his glory, church. Because you see, there are people that are leaving this world daily, moment by moment by moment, in every age group. And we've been called by God to give them the good news of Jesus Christ. And when we read in scriptures, it tells us in God's word, Jesus himself spoke these words. Narrow is the gate that leads to life, and few there be that find it. And whenever I read those words of Jesus, man, it scares me, convicts me, and it spurs me. It's like, man, people need to understand that they need Jesus, man. This isn't a game. It's not like everybody's going to make it. I told you, I've done hundreds of funerals. And I have not been at a funeral yet where someone says, yeah, they're in hell. Seriously, you got to think about what I'm telling you. Everybody says the same words. They're in a better place now. And I want you to know most people aren't in a better place. Because if they don't have Jesus in their soul and they don't have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, they are not in a better place. And Jesus warned us and said, it's a narrow way and few there be that find it. Wide is the gate that leads to destruction and many will go thereby. Jesus said this. 
If anyone knows, it's him. Church, we in the body of Christ need to wake up. We have been called by God to share the good news, to expand the kingdom, to allow people to understand there's only one way. It's Jesus Christ, and they need him. Church, we are the ones that need to carry the good news of the gospel to the lost and dying world around us. And the word of God has something to challenge us with about that and what it's all about. Do you know Jesus as your Savior? You have a job to do. I want to read to you from God's word in Matthew 9. What I love about God's word is God gives us a glimpse into a very ordinary day in the streets of Israel, Jerusalem, as Jesus is going with his disciples. Just a normal day. It's not a church day. It's a normal day. Let's check out what's happening right here in in Matthew chapter 9. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. So we're going to pause there because I want you to get an imaginative vision of what's happening here. So in the street markets of the day, the IRS actually had a table. (laughs) And you had to stop in and you had to pay your taxes. It wasn't once a year. It was a regular occurrence. And Matthew was one of these guys who was actually a Jew who worked for the Romans. And so what he was was a tax collector for the Romans who also taxed his own people for his own benefit. It's like if you owed $100, he would charge you 120 and pocket the 20 and give the 100 to the Romans, right? That was the way the tax collectors did it. And so they weren't really like people everybody liked. And so when you read this and you look at what's happening, this is a pretty phenomenal encounter that takes place right here. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. Isn't that amazing? Church, you got to think about that. That dude got up from his living, his job, his resources, and he just got up and walked away from everything in his life that he was all about. Immediately, with a simple invitation of Jesus, he just walked away from it all. A normal day in his life became something so incredibly amazing as his life would be changed forever. It's amazing. Think about it. So listen, before I read any more, I want you to know that you work with Matthews. You live by them. You go to school with them. They serve you coffee. They serve you in the restaurants. And they're waiting for someone to give them an invitation. In the middle of their life, right in the middle of a normal day, an invitation to know the Savior Jesus. He modeled it for us right here. Check this out, what's happening here. So Matthew got up and followed him. Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. Isn't that awesome? I love that. It's like the tax collectors had their own category of, you know, disgustingness. But then they were like, he's like, well, it's not just them. We're going to bring all the messed up people into this dinner right now today. 
a bunch of other disreputable sinners. Now I look at this scenario that's opening before our eyes and there's this amazing thing that God is doing and showing me and you through this story. But when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum? Remember who these guys are? See, those are the religious righteous people of the day. These were the guys that were to teach the common people God's word and what it says to us about how to live our lives with God. And so as we look at this scenario unfolding, here's Jesus and his disciples eating with the tax collectors and a bunch of other people of bad reputation. And the righteous self-proclaimed people of God are watching and saying, what's up with that? Does he even realize what he's doing? But I want you to also notice something else, church, when we read this. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples. Why didn't they ask Jesus? You know, and there's always a problem when someone asks someone else about that person. Church, come on, man. If you want to ask somebody a question about what they're doing and why they're doing in their life, go ask them. Don't talk to someone else. Because the reason we're trying to ask someone else is we're trying to undermine who that person is, just like these guys were doing. Why are you following him? Do you see what he's doing? Knock it off, church. We don't do that. People of God are not people that do that. So he goes and he asks his disciples, why does he do this? When Jesus heard this, Overheard the conversation happening. He said, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Then he added, now go learn the meaning of this scripture. Pause. Do you remember who Jesus is talking to? The teachers of the law. The ones who are teaching scripture. He is challenging the teacher to learn what God's word actually says. And he comes right at him. And he said, you need to go and learn something. Here's what you need to learn. And he quotes a a one sentence of Old Testament scripture, which we'll get to in a minute. But this is what he said. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. That's the only thing he quoted from that verse. Then he went on and said this, for I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. Me and you, aren't you glad? See, the heart of Jesus is for the broken. The heart of Jesus is for the outcasts. The heart of Jesus is for the people that know that they can't do it on their own. They need help, and they're looking for that help. And Jesus' heart is for those types of people. He is for me and you. The ones who understand, I can't do it on my own. I'm not good enough. There's no way I can measure up. And I need someone to help me. That's what Jesus is all about. And that's who he's all about. Go learn what this means. So Jesus is telling those teachers of the word of God to go look this verse up and look at what God is saying. So we need to pause here and find out why he said that. Because it fits in exactly with what God's saying to us and exactly what the Word of God declares to us right here, church. So, 
Hosea is where the book comes from, where that verse comes from, I should say. Hosea was one of the earliest prophets in all of Israel. So Hosea had a ministry that lasted almost 70 years as a prophet of God. He is one of the first prophets that ever wrote down his prophetic words that we have in the Bible. And the message of Hosea was both to Israel because the nation had already divided. It was 12 tribes and it split, if you remember, after Solomon's reign. And Israel took 10 tribes and Judah had two and a half tribes that went with them. Hosea prophesied to both Israel and Judah. And his prophecy was calling the people to God in the right heart to have a relationship with God because God's judgment was coming. That was Hosea's message. Listen to what he says, because Hosea was telling the people God's word, and God's word had something profound to say to his people, and Jesus was giving this moment to profoundly speak to the teachers of the law and the prophets. Listen to the word of God in Hosea chapter 6. O Israel and Judah, what should I do with you, asks the Lord. For your love vanishes like the morning mist and disappears like dew in the sunlight. I sent my prophets to cut you to pieces, to slaughter you with my words, with judgment as inescapable as light. I want you to show love, not offer sacrifices. I want you to know me more than I want burnt offerings. But like Adam, you broke my covenant and betrayed my trust. This is the section of verses that Jesus tells the teachers you need to go visit. As he's looking Listen, they were looking at him and judging him, and they were angry because he was eating with sinners. And in their self-righteousness, they were looking at themselves as ceremonially clean and these people as unacceptable and unclean. They were following the letter of the law, yet their heart was far from God. And Jesus wanted them to see that God's intent for all of that religious practice that He ordained in sacrifices and offerings was the purpose of a relationship with His people. God spoke to us and He made us in the very beginning to have a relationship with Him, church. He created Adam and Eve to have a relationship with Himself and with one another. Sin broke that relationship. God is referencing that through Hosea to His people. You have broken my covenant just like Adam did. You have missed the mark. It's not about being religious. It's not about just doing stuff. It's about a relationship with me in your heart. And your heart is far from me. And God says, I'm going to judge you through Hosea to his people. God did. These teachers that Jesus is talking to sat on this side of God's judgment on their people. Hosea's prophecies came true. Israel was destroyed, never to ever be assembled again. Judah went into captivity, into Babylon for 70 years, just like God said would happen through the prophet Jeremiah. That judgment of God fell upon the people just as God said it would, and these teachers of the law taught God's judgment back there. Now Jesus is saying, hey, 
You guys need to wake up and understand the whole reason for the judgment was the lack of relationship, not the absence of sacrifice. They were doing the sacrifices. Israel did. Judah did. But their heart was far from God. They had a form of godliness, but they denied who he was. When we read in the scriptures and we see what he's talking about, Jesus is talking to us and he's saying, look, here guys, you need to understand something. What you're looking at is not what you're looking at. You're looking at an outward appearance of a broken man, someone that you look at that's been messed up. But now this Matthew that they were looking at and all of his friends were there because of Jesus. Hmm. As we go forward then, I want us to think about this. The personal aspect of a relationship with God and what is all about. And what is it that God is calling us to do and to be like? He is always looking at our heart and the intentions of our motives. God is always evaluating that. I want you to know today, it doesn't matter if you were the best singer here, the loudest singer here, the anything singer here. God knows your heart. Right? All of that should happen. We should engage God in worship. We should sing to Him. We should give to Him. We should serve Him. But if it's not done from a heart of love for Him, it's meaningless. You see, that's what the whole point of this conversation is about. It's about the heart relationship with God. And so, here's this personal aspect of what God's saying. Okay, for I have come to call not those who think they're righteous, but those who know they are sinners. So the call was for broken people to be made whole. It wasn't that Jesus just wanted to hang around with sinners, and it's not that Jesus wants to just hang around with you and your sin. So don't misinterpret what's going on here. Jesus came to the sinners because the sinners knew they needed help, and Jesus was offering that help to take them out of that broken life and offer them new life. So church, don't like think that it's okay for you and Jesus is just going to hang with you because you're a sinner, a broken person. You were. You need him. When you enter relationship with him, he pulls you out of that life. Matthew got up and left and walked with Jesus, a complete change of life. Not that he's telling you to leave your job. This goes specific to Matthew. Come and follow me. Be my disciple. Come on, let's go on this journey together. Change the way you are. Follow me. He's called us to that same relationship, each and every person in this room. (laughs) Excuse me, I'm sorry. Those who think they're righteous. Friends, I don't know who you've been around in your life, but I've been around people that think they're righteous. And that's not Dave judging them, it's them proclaiming themselves in the way that they live, the way that they view other people, the way they project themselves on other people. And those who think they are righteous are some of the hardest ones to reach with the gospel. They really are. They're some of the hardest ones because they think they're righteous and they don't even recognize their own brokenness. In the midst of their righteousness is always this spirit of judgment. We see it in the Pharisees themselves as their condemning words were about everybody else's life and what they were doing. Nothing about themselves. 
So as we understand that Jesus is not calling us to just know we're sinners, but to remove us from that environment and change our lives, we see this in practice in this scripture that we look at with Matthew, the tax collector, leaving his old life and coming into the new to follow Jesus. Now, as we look at that, I love this part right here, church. Please, like, look at what's happening in the context of this story. The Great Commission, you and I know, is Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, right? Teaching them to observe all the commandments, uh, observe all the commandments I've given you, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and I'm with you always to the end of the world. All right, so when you read the Great Commission that you and I have, we know that God's call on our life is to go make disciples. It's our responsibility to share the good news and to see people come to Christ as their Savior. You understand that, church? That's our call. It's called the Great Commission. The Great Commission did not exist in this encounter with Matthew. Actually, Matthew, later in his life, is the one that actually recorded those words in the book that's named after him, the Gospel according to Matthew, right? Okay, so let's see this scenario unfold before our eyes and check out how God is already at work in the life of Matthew. We read the scripture, it says, Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as a dinner guest, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. So Matthew wanted his broken friends to meet Jesus too. Yeah. A gathering of the outcasts. A gathering of the broken. For one purpose, that they might meet Jesus. That's amazing. See, Matthew hadn't even followed Jesus for long. Do you see? I mean, it's like he's following him and later on. We don't even know what later means. Later that week, later that month. I don't care what it was. The fact of the matter is Matthew wanted all those people that he used to run with to meet this Jesus that he met. That's awesome. That's amazing. Okay? If you're living for Jesus, don't you think that... The old crowd ought to know it. We're, we're not told that any other people in that dinner gathering followed Jesus. We aren't told. It doesn't say they all like were like, oh, you're the Messiah. Nothing like that. However, Matthew created a moment where all of them had the opportunity to meet Jesus. Hmm. That's pretty interesting stuff, right? God, help us in what we're doing. Okay. So now I want you to also know that uh, when the Pharisees saw this, they asked the disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum, right? So I'm saying this because in rereading that part, because I want you to know people are looking at you, people are talking about you, and they're not talking favorably about you. They talk about Jesus, they're going to talk about you. And it doesn't matter what they say, they're going to always talk. But we need them to be talking about what we're doing because we're doing it for the Lord. We don't want them talking about sin and brokenness in our life. It doesn't matter what we used to be. It's what we are today with Jesus. And we want them to have something to talk about. And why not? And what better could they be talking about than what we're doing today because of Jesus? Right? I mean, that condemning word is going on. And these people are always there. And I want you to know there will always be people that are examining you and condemning you with their words behind your back. 
Luke 6 says this, On another Sabbath day, a man with a deformed right hand was in the synagogue while Jesus was teaching. The teachers of religious law and the Pharisees watched Jesus closely. If he healed the man's hand, they planned to accuse him of working on the Sabbath. All right, so what I want to tell you is that this was a regular part of Jesus' life where people were watching him, but they were watching him for the wrong reasons. They wanted to find something wrong in his life, a way to talk about him, the way to condemn him, to bring him down. All right? If that's happening to Jesus, I want you to know it's going to happen to you. And we should not worry about what other people are talking about. We are to be living for Jesus, encountering people, inviting them to meet Jesus, and don't worry about what people are talking about. It's all about Jesus, church, and we need to be with him and sharing him with other people. doesn't matter what other people think. It's not about them. It's about him. Amen. All right? There are those even within the church who watch others to see if they can find a fault in them. It's crazy, man. It is. It's crazy that people in the church are watching, just like observing, like, yeah, we'll see how long they last or whatever. I don't know who you are. I'm not saying it's you specifically in this room that I'm looking at because I'm not even looking at you. I'm just saying this is a normal thing that happens in the church. What in the world is going on? Why are we looking at other people to see what's wrong with them instead of asking people to meet this Jesus that we have met? Why are we not focusing on our relationship with him and how other people that don't know him can get to know him? Why are we picking apart other people's walks when we ought to be inviting those that don't know him into a relationship with him? Let God deal with the people that know him. That's not your job. Our calling is to reach this lost world with the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Okay, so there are people all around your life who are trying to justify their life by finding fault with yours. See, they're, they're trying to feel better about that. We have this plague in our culture, man. We want to find something wrong with you so that I can feel better about myself. That's brokenness, man. That's what sin is all about. And so as we look to try and find a fault with you to make an excuse for me, I'm trying to elevate myself by making you lower. Jesus has called us, and as he models this, he's like, I don't care what those Pharisees think. I don't care what the scribes think. I don't care what people think. I care what Matthew is, and I care about his friends. And therefore, I'm going to sit at this table and eat with them and just get them in contact with who I am. I'm talking about Jesus here. That's amazing stuff, and he modeled this for us. Church, that we might be that kind of people that reach out to people that are broken and lost. So I want to ask you a few questions, and believe it or not, these are my action steps, and we're almost done. You're welcome. <laughs> Here <are> these. <laughs> we're not done. I just said we're there. All right, anyway. Do you know you're broken, a sinner, and in need of a Savior? Yeah. Has Jesus met your need? Yeah. He is the one and only. And if you don't think Jesus has met your need, I just want you to know you don't know Jesus. Seriously. Because he is the answer to life. And once we find the answer to life, and we've engaged him, and we are following him, our life changes. Matthew's life completely changed. 
He became a disciple of Christ. I want you to know that your life has changed since you met Jesus and you are called to be a disciple of Christ, a Christ follower. And your life should show that you are no longer living for you. You're living for him. That's the witness that God's called us to be and to do. So I want you to know if you don't know Jesus, he's here today to be met by you. And he's inviting you into this incredible relationship with him. Those of you that say you're Christians, and I'm not, that wasn't a judgment call. I'm saying you've just professed, like, I am a follower of Christ. So all of you that would say, I'm a follower of Christ, just say yes. yes. Here's a word for you. What have you done to reach your old crowd since your life is changed by Jesus? What have you done? What is it that you have done to let those people know you're not that person anymore? Okay, now. I want to help you with this because it's important that as we look at the context and the setting of Scripture that we learn from it so that we're not stupid in what we're doing, okay? So what we need to understand is that Matthew invited them to his house. He didn't go to where they lived. He didn't go into their environment. He invited them to his house, and he had accountability when they came. Jesus and his disciples were there with them. You follow me? So, there's protection because there was accountability. There was wisdom because he didn't go out there into their world to try and encounter them and reach them. He took them and met them in a place where he knew he would be strong in who he was and not go back into the old ways. I've had a lot of Christian people tell me, you know, like, I'm going to go down here to the strip club. They need Jesus, and I used to hang out there. And it's like, no. I just want everybody in the room to know Jesus is not asking you to go in a strip club to reach people for Jesus. Now, I'm being serious because there's people that will justify sin in their life because that's what they want to do and they say it's for Jesus. Okay, we invite those people and Jesus loves them in their brokenness and we need to invite them into a safe place in an environment that we might share Jesus with them. Right? Come on, church. It's like the, I had a, a friend that was alcoholic who found Jesus. I led him to the Lord. It was an amazing thing. Early, way early in my Christian life. And he was growing his faith and doing so great. And he was excited about Jesus. And he said, you know, I'm going to go down to the bar where I used to hang out. I'm just going to drink soda water. Don't worry. I said, don't do it. Don't go there, man. Don't do that. No, I'm like, I'm totally solid. I'm not, you know where he is today. Right back in his old way. See, we can't step into that environment as a changed person and put ourselves in a jeopardizing situation. Instead, we need to keep ourselves right where Jesus wants us. That's with Jesus in a place of security and accountability where we can have Jesus encounter our friends and family. I'm just telling you, we need to learn from this because it's important. I am not telling you that you shouldn't be with sinners in their environment. What I'm saying is don't put yourself in your old environment where your sin owned you. You follow that? All right, don't do it. That's craziness. We need Jesus and we need them to meet Jesus, but let's set it up. All right, so let's be intentional about it. This was an intentional act. So let me help you, all of us in this room. Let's, let's do something here. Thanksgiving is coming up. So everybody's going to gather with somebody. You're going to be with somebody this Thanksgiving. I hope you're not alone. Let us know and we'll put you somewhere. 
I'm serious. I mean, like, you shouldn't be alone. But we're going to be with people. A lot of us are going to be with family. And some of that family's um, broken, dysfunctional, messed up. I want you to know that this is an opportunity God's created for you to share Jesus with them. Why are we not sharing with our family that our life has changed because of Jesus? Why are we not bold about our faith, about who he is in our life, and why I'm different today? Why are we not bold about that? Why are we not talking to family who are lost and they're not going to heaven without Jesus? So when my wife and I started in the ministry many years ago, we had a family in our first church we pastored that invited us to their house for dinner. And we were excited, you know, we're young in our faith, and I mean young in the church and the pastoral ministries, and we were excited to go to their house and kind of like, well, this is cool that they're inviting us into their house. And so when we got there, there was other people there, which, you know, it was fine. They didn't tell us there'd be other people, and there was people we didn't know there. And uh, it was kind of like a little bit uncomfortable and awkward, and something didn't feel right, you know, as we were sitting there talking. Uh, and so as soon as dinner was ended, somebody grabbed a whiteboard and an easel, propped it up in the living room, and started to try and get us to sign up for Amway. <laughs> I am not speaking negatively of Amway. I'm just telling you what happened. So um, as this unfolded before me, I was like, you know, this is like crazy and wrong, and I don't like you right now. <laughs> I, <laughs> I love you and Jesus, but man, I don't like you right now, because this is not cool, what you just did, right? Okay, um, we're bold about a lot of stuff. We don't have a problem sharing things with people. Like, I'm not on Facebook, so I don't know what y'all do. I know that you do stupid things, and that's why I'm not on there. Hear me through, seriously. We are not shy about putting what we think out there. But then it comes to Jesus, and we're kind of like walking on our tiptoes, and we're kind of being like, oh, I'm not sure if I should. Come on, man, what is the deal? Those people are going to hell, and they need Jesus. And we're supposed to be the light of the world. And we as followers of Christ are to be going, therefore, and making disciples, being light, being salt. That's God's call. So I don't want you to trap people this Thanksgiving. That was my point about the Amway. Don't prop up a, you know, a picture and say, you're on your way to hell, you need Jesus now. You know, <laughs> not what I'm telling you. All right, what I want you to do, though, is pray and create the moment that you would ask God to help you to introduce them to the Jesus that you met. That's all. He'll give you that opportunity. I guarantee you, God's faithful. It doesn't matter who plays football that day. It doesn't matter what the food was like. Because we're going to talk about all that stuff, right? It's okay if you talk about it. It is. I'm not telling you don't talk about it. No, I'm saying talk about it. They didn't just sit at that dinner table in Matthew's house and just talk about Jesus. They talked about life and what was going on in their life. I guarantee you they were people. But it was the moment where they could encounter him. Please, church, be praying about how you can have people encounter Jesus this Thanksgiving creative moment opportunity for you who are the broken the outcast the sick around you in your life that jesus wants to reach immediately when we talk about the broken the sinner the outcast most of the time most of us would think of the drug addict the alcoholic the homeless the you know street walkers those kinds of people right i mean that's the normal perception of people when you say the outcast the broken the needy 
But I want you to understand that Matthew was of the upper crust of society. He lived above the standard of all the people in his city. They did. They were the wealthy. So I want you to know, because you perceive someone's life as not as good as yours doesn't mean they're the broken and the outcast. The broken and the outcast are those who don't know Jesus. And they walk in every level of society. And Jesus Christ has called us to reach those people with the good news of the gospel. Let's go be the church. Let's go live it, man. I want people that are online to know you can contact us. Uh, email through the office or call and we'll pray with you. Those of you that are here, this is what we call the altar. Do you remember when we were referencing the altar and the sacrifices in the Old Testament? This was the place where relationship was made right with God was at the altar. It's where people would bring their sacrifices and offer them to God so that they could have a relationship with Him. That's what it was. That's why we call this part of our church an altar. As you can see, it's just a little raised stage with carpeting. It's nothing. But we reference it as the altar because we invite you to come and enter into right relationship with God right here in this place. Just so there's clarity, so you know what we mean when we say, hey, come to the altar. That's what it's referencing. So I want you to know this area up here is not holy in and of itself, but it is a place where we are inviting you on God's behalf to come to his table and have relationship with him. That's what it is. So would you stand with us? If you don't know Jesus, today is an amazing day to know him. I invite you into his presence to know him personally for yourself. And if you don't know him, please come and get to know him today. If you are a Christian and God is speaking to you about your witness, about a way that you can share Jesus with others, and you just need to talk to God. This altar is not just for sinners. I want you to know it's for all of us to come into the presence of God, to be with Him, and to get our relationship with Him right on track where He wants us to be. It's always open to you. Take advantage of this moment that God has given to us to be together as the body of Christ in church. Won't you come? Father, we love you. We're so grateful for Jesus. We are so humbled by who you are and what you say to us. God, we are so blessed by these that have come forward here this morning, and they are coming here because of you, understanding the invitation by you to be your disciple. Some are here to repent. Some are here to just make right, to get focused correctly on what it means to follow you. You know why we're here. Lord, there's people standing by their seats in their mind. They're processing things. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would reveal your truth into their heart and life. Lord, stir us. Use us. Lord, let us be the church you died to make us. We want to be the believers that you died to transform, that we might reach Tucson and beyond with the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, God, we thank you for this moment. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for today, in Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you, Jesus.